the HD Movie Podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 86 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell. And I'm Hayley Alice Roberts. And in this episode, it's Merry Podmas to everybody again. Our second selection in this Christmas-themed miniseries is 2017's A Bad Mom's Christmas, starring Mila Kunis, Kristen Bell and, yeah, I'm going to mention it, Catherine Hahn. And it wasn't intentional that we've picked two movies so far from the year 2017, but obviously it was a fun-filled Christmas year in 2017, so some good picks there. It's Merry Podmas to one and all a second time. And in this episode, we are covering John Lucas and... Oh, God. What's his... Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> God. And I promise you that Darren hasn't had as many shots as the bad moms in this film. So here we go again. Take two. Oh, God, this is so unprofessional. I can't even get the director's name right. Okay, it's 2017's A Bad Mom's Christmas, directed by John Lucas and Scott Moore. I'm really sorry, Scott. My writing is atrocious, and I couldn't read what I'd written about your name. I am so sorry. Anyway, on the plus side, Nick Reganis has written a synopsis. Hey! Woo! Okay, and I'm going to read said synopsis. I promise you we have not been on the shops. We have not been channeling the bad moms. With Christmas Eve just around the corner, the raucous gang of suburban mums, Carla, Amy and Kiki, are already beginning to buckle under the pressure of the most wonderful time of the year. And to make matters worse, as if a very busy schedule and parenting aren't enough, the overworked mothers have to face yet another challenge, create the perfect holiday for their smothering mothers who decided to show up for Christmas. Undoubtedly, the holidays are never easy. And as the mothers and daughters struggle with their neuroses, pulling off the most magical Christmas seems like an impossible task. Can the girls renegotiate their relationships? Another great synopsis from Nick Reganis. You can always rely on Nick to provide a synopsis which says just enough, but doesn't spoil anything. And now we're going to spoil pretty much everything in this movie. Sorry, Nick. Yeah, I mean, I really liked the original Bad Moms. I think it brought something a bit more fresh to the table. It was like the hangover without the horrible blokey gags. It seemed just a a more wholesome piece, even though it's got some quite dirty jokes in it. This one, it's got some quite dirty jokes in it. And I did have quite a good time with it. At the same time, regardless of the fact that I really enjoy spending time with these characters, it also felt thoroughly unnecessary. I get what you're saying, but I think with a Christmas movie, it makes more sense to capitalise on an existing property 
and bringing familiar characters back for Christmas shenanigans. So I think they did it with the Daddy's Home films as well as Daddy's Home 2 and that's like set at Christmas. They're very similar movies. But again, yeah, Bad Mums, it is a fun ride. It's a wild ride, but what do you expect? As you say, it is basically the hangover, but flipping the genders and having women acting you know, not like that traditional, typical stereotype of what a woman should be like, you know, housewife, perfect mum. These ladies know how to party and have fun. And um, you just enjoy it with them because this film does not take itself seriously. It is pretty funny. Like, there's plenty of moments I did laugh at, some I cringed at, but I think it does want to push the envelope there to make you get to that cringy state, which we will get into so this film was kind of greenlit pretty quickly because the first one came out in 2016 and it just finished its theatrical run in the US and then 15 months later the sequel came about. So that's to show how popular it was at the time. And yeah, I think this is a movie you kind of know what you're getting into and, and think you've got to be in the mood for it. And it's one that if you're looking for something a bit raucious or I don't know just some just something to let your hair down a bit and not have to overthink anything yeah you certainly don't have to overthink anything in this movie and there's nothing wrong with that at all I like the fact that they have to deal with their own moms this time and the casting for the moms is really good so you get Christine Baranski as Mila Kunis's character's mom Amy you get Cheryl Hines who is channeling every neurosis on the planet as Kiki's mother. And then, who else could you get to play Carla's mom? You could only have Susan Sarandon playing Carla's mom. She's great in this movie. Doesn't take herself seriously one little bit. You have to have somebody as brash and as larger than life as Catherine Hahn, as Carla is. So they've cast the moms, other moms, really, really well. And there's all the expected tension between them. But it's a Christmas movie, so all of this does get resolved. They they put them through the ringer a little bit, but it's a fun movie. You don't get tragedy at the end. You kind of know where this thing's going to go from the start. But that's not the point. It isn't an art house drama, this. It's just a raunchy comedy. And it does what it does really well. Although I said it's totally unnecessary, and it probably is totally unnecessary... I didn't mind watching this at all. I really enjoyed it during the running time. And it's not just because of Catherine Hahn. The movie is really funny. It does fall back on that old standby of having kids use the F word. So there's a point early on where the daughter of Jesse, played by Jay Hernandez, says the phrase, oh my fucking God, several times for comedy effect. Now, if you don't like hearing kids use the F word, this movie is not for you. I laughed out loud at that, but I thought it was genuinely funny. The way the kid delivered the line, it was just spot on, and it got a laugh from me. And maybe I'm a bad mom myself, I don't know, <laughs> probably. But that did honestly get a laugh at me, and I didn't find it offensive in the slightest. Yeah, if you're easily offended, step away from this one. But I don't know, I, I can't see many people not enjoying this, because it, it is what it is, and there's no pretense about it. I mean, you know, it develops the characters pretty well. Obviously, you know, we get to spend more time with the original characters and then we get to see the dynamics between them and their own mothers. And, of course, they're all overbearing in different ways. Maybe not not so much Susan Sarandon. She's more the flaky mom who hasn't really been there for Carla. 
but that obviously gets resolved later on. And then Christine Vransky is the really pushy, overbearing mother who basically wants everything to be right and perfect and she can't break tradition. And there's scenarios where she turns up and then everyone's expected to dance to her tune. One of the hilarious moments is like she's obsessed with they have to go and see the Nutcracker, which is obviously a Christmas family tradition for some people. And whereas most people would enjoy a really light, nice Christmassy version of the Nutcracker, Ruth's character is adamant that the family have to go and watch this five-hour depressing version of the Nutcracker every year. The Russian version, apparently. I mean, I have no knowledge of what this film is or anything, but it sounds absolutely horrific and not the type of thing that classes as like a family bonding exercise. But of course, Mila Kunis, as Amy, wants to do Christmas her way. She wants a more chilled out time and doesn't want to have to worry about all the pressures and the consumerism of Christmas. And I think, you know, it does establish all that really well because Christmas is so overwhelming. The commercialism is insane. And I just don't think people can live up to financial costs of Christmas. And it can be a really stressful time. And I think even though this film is fundamentally lighthearted, it does capture that really well and I feel that you're on Amy's side throughout because you think yeah I'd like to take her Christmas because it sounds much more enjoyable even to the point where not having to worry about cooking a big dinner and just enjoying some Chinese food but of course she has this massive clash with her mother and then of course Ruth does some really crazy things like she decorates the house with really expensive ornaments and a ridiculous kind of set piece of the 12 days of Christmas outside which plays and has like animatronics it borders on incredibly over the top but it does have elements of realism in there like sort of relatability as I said about how people can kind of cope with the pressure of Christmas the pressure of having to do everything perfectly while missing the whole core of what Christmas is like it is meant to be about being with your family and just having a good time but people just overblow it yeah, the bit where they let the partridges out of the pear tree in the massive over-the-top tableau outside Amy's house that Ruth has constructed. The partridges fly off, and then she says something about they'd have to replace the partridges to do it again. And then somebody says something like, well, can't we get the partridges back? And they said, oh, they've got no sense of direction, they'll probably die. So that's kind of Ruth's disposable view of Christmas and life. And it's basically, she just wants to be the centre of attention and she just wants people to say that she's amazing all the time. Whereas Amy couldn't care less and doesn't want to live up to that standard. You can tell the level of the jokes. I'm going to tell you two jokes in this movie and you can tell the level of the movie from the jokes I'm going to say. Well, Carla is at the spa that she's working at and she's got a day full of waxing. So she's just got a room full of women who want to be waxed. And then she says, who's next? And then somebody puts a hand up and it's the hairiest woman there. And Carla just says, no, not you, Sasquatch. So that's that's one of the <laughs> levels of humour. But then there's another one where Carla's mom is called Isis and somebody is asking her <laughs> what her name is. And she says, oh, yeah, it's Isis, like the terrorist organisation. So if you don't like those two jokes, then I don't think you'd be the sort of person that a bad mum's Christmas is targeted at. If you thought those two jokes were funny, you're probably going to enjoy this a whole lot. 
yeah, I think it's meant to be in bad taste and sometimes you don't really want to laugh, but you can't help it. And it just like has that effect on you. But we of course have to talk about this one character that once this character was introduced, I just knew that I was so excited to hear Darren talk about this character. And that is Ty Swindell, played by Justin Hartley, who is a fireman Santa stripper who goes to get his balls waxed by Carla and instantly they develop a connection and they have like a very deep conversation in this very unorthodox situation. And it is very, very cringy. But at the same time, you're like, I can't believe I'm watching this, but I'm going to go with it. They do ramp up the cringe factor with that one. So yeah, I'm just can't wait to hear what Darren's thoughts on this character are. I fuck him. Fuck him and the horse he rode in on it is not good enough for Carla. <laughs> now, now I've got that off my chest. I don't know how these actors managed to film this sequence. It's so cringy. I guess when it was presented to them, yeah, you're professionals, you're actors, but, you know, he's going for his balls wax, but then he's also going for other things waxing as well. And he's got his legs up and she's, like, looking at his arsehole basically it's such a weird scene it is funny but it's the most tasteless start to a romance i've seen well possibly ever really i mean the the actors sell it and in a weird way it's quite sweet but it's just not the sort of thing you're expecting to see in a movie and he's got his legs almost behind his head and he's does he say something like oh i'd i'd um, spread my ass cheeks for you anytime, and then yeah, and then and then Carla says something like, "Oh, that's the most romantic thing anybody's ever said to me." It fits with the characters as well. Ty Swindell is a good character actually, and he's kind of the perfect match for Carla because he's got no scruples at all either, and he is kind of a nice guy. But Carla, for all her brashness and disgusting habits, and the whole ethos of doing the worst thing possible every single time. Carla is kind of a nice lass at the heart of it all. She might be the sort of person that you would dread taking home for your mum to see, but she is. She is a decent person at the heart of it all, even though the movie goes out of its way to sort of portray her as this hard-drinking, drug-taking, clearly bisexual woman, because... You know, so as soon as she gets drunk, she's, you know, kissing other women at parties and stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, she, you know, she's the most extreme character out there. Quite the opposite to Kiki, Kristen Bell, who's this kind of buttoned down, slightly neurotic presence. And her mum, even more so. I really liked the scene where Kiki decides that she needs to go to counselling with her mum. And it's just the most bizarre conversation between two adults that you're likely to hear and you've got this psychiatrist played by Wanda Sykes who is just sitting there with this look on her face thinking oh my god what's going on here but she does actually explain what's going on in in a roundabout way so it's kind of full of these vignettes so a lot of Bad Mom's Christmas seems to be focused on individual characters there's less of them getting together this time. They do get together quite a bit, but there's less of them coming together to fight sort of the common enemy. Like last time it was Christina Applegate. 
This time they've got their own personal battles to fight. On the subject of Christina Applegate, she does have a cameo appearance in this movie as Mila Kunis is going round singing carols dressed as Ebenezer Scrooge. Mila Kunis has got this ridiculous false nose on. That causes a lot of amusement for Christina Applegate's character. So they've dragged a few people back in, but it isn't to that point where they're pulling everybody back in for the first movie and kind of going, oh, look who we've got now, and oh, look who we've got now. They, they keep that sort of stuff to a minimum. They focus again on the main characters. I can't say this is great art, because it isn't, but I laughed a whole lot in this. And as Carla says, it puts the ass back into Christmas. <laughs> and of course you've got these wild scenes where they're just causing carnage in the mall and to the point where they're like grinding on Santa himself and he's getting in on it I mean there's so many like inappropriate moments in it but you just can't help to be like yeah I think I knew what I was getting when I was going into this movie because you say Kiki's mum is so weird and I think overbearing is an understatement <laughs> when it comes to her she's literally the type of woman who wears pyjamas with pictures of her child's face on them I mean there's a complete different level of craziness to her character and she basically doesn't know the meaning of personal space and it really starts to grind on Kiki and again as you say they're like the scenes between them are so weird and it reaches breaking point when she decides to buy the house next door to the point where it wasn't even for sale but she made an offer in cash to the uh, owners you know only in the movies yeah. And speaking of only in the movies, going back to Amina Kunis's conflict in the film, her mother decides to throw this epic party on Christmas Eve in her house and gets all these lavish decorations inside as this like jazz singer or was it jazz musician? It's Kenny G. Um, <laughs> Kenny G, who I've never heard of. I'm sorry, sorry, Kenny G, but apparently he is he is an actual like jazz musician. Yeah. So it's like really overboard and then Amy has a massive breakdown and basically rips the decorations to shred like she goes all out there's a, a massive fight basically the tree gets it but then it gets to the point where when they resolve their conflict when they meet at the middle ground they're like we need to save Christmas and then they manage in one night to get the house absolutely remarkable and they've got all the gifts right and it's like yeah only in the movies like this would not happen in real life so you have to take this film a lot with a pinch of salt because it is completely fantastical in a lot of ways. That's true. I mean, Mila Kunis has trashed the house in that scene. It's completely wrecked. And then in one night, everything is perfect. But that's kind of the MO with this movie. Everything is resolved surprisingly easily at the end, considering the state everybody gets into about an hour and 20 minutes in. Everything's fine the next day. Everything's resolved. Yeah, you're right, it wouldn't happen. But in this sort of movie, you don't really want there to be a certain amount of tragedy at the end. You want everything to work out for the main characters because they are likeable and you like spending time with them. But they do fairly well repeat some of the stuff they do in the movies. They go on the rampage in the mall again. I don't know how they managed to steal the tree from Lady Footlocker and get it back home, but logic isn't a massive strong point in this movie. It's just there. And the fact that the next scene, there's this Christmas tree with like trainer ornaments on it. And Amy's dad says, oh, look, you know, the ornaments are little shoes. So Amy's dad's quite sweet in the movie. He's the one who puts up with Ruth's excesses. But at the end, he explains why. 
everything's quite good natured in this movie. There are rude jokes. There is the spectacle of some guy having his balls waxed. But at the end of the day, it is quite a sweet movie. I can't believe that I'm saying that a movie that a guy has got his balls waxed is like sweet in any way. But it is. You're just going to have to trust me on this one. It's got some fairly outrageous humour in it, but its heart's in the right place. It's not trying to be so offensive that you're going to walk away from it. It's raucous, but it's not trying to upset you in the certain way that some other movies might. It's not pushing the boundaries so much that you just think, you know, this is too disgusting, I've got to switch this off. Or maybe it is too disgusting and you do have to switch it off, but anything that's got Catherine Hahn in, I mean, she could be flamethrower in an orphanage and I'd go, great performance, Catherine. And to be fair to it, it's not actually that gross out. It's not like gross out comedy where you're having to put up with bodily fluids as a form of comedy or anything like that. So the jokes are very much verbal in it. It is a fun film. And I, you know, I'm not saying it would be a tradition to watch this every Christmas by any means, but it's one that I probably would rewatch again, given the passage of time. Obviously, it's not on my must watch list, but... You know, if you're looking for something that you just want to have a good time with, I don't see why this can't be a contender. Yeah. One of the facts that jumped out at me on IMDb about this film was three New Zealanders following in the footsteps of Kiwi heroes Tim Batt and Guy Montgomery are watching this film every week for a year, 52 times in total for their podcast, The Even Worse Idea of All Time. (laughs) I was like, what? I mean... I know we have to put ourselves through the ringer sometimes for the sake of this podcast, but watching the same movie 52 times in one year, it's like, what? No, I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm a fan of some of the people in this movie, but 52 times? No, you can't do that to yourself. Like, that's just... I mean, even the stuff I really love, 52 times I'm going to start getting bored of it. A ghost waits 52 times. I might be able to do a ghost waits 52 times, but, you know, most other stuff... No, just don't do it to yourself. You know, there's other movies out there. You can go and watch that sort of thing. I've just remembered as well, I'm saying that there's kind of nothing particularly offensive in it, but there is a point at which Amy and Kiki are making gingerbread houses at this craft session, and Carla, surprise, surprise, ends up making a gingerbread cock. Okay, that did make me laugh as well. Yeah, it made I mean, me as you laugh. say, it's no surprise when it comes to her character, but it's like, you know, it is quite funny. If it's yeah. like a girls' night out situation, I don't I don't see anything wrong with that. It is it's very funny. I laughed a lot in this film. Don't come for me. No, I laughed a lot <laughs> but, as well. Um... It's yeah, it's it's perfectly good entertainment. <laughs> Sometimes you don't need highbrow entertainment, and this certainly isn't highbrow entertainment. I just wanted something light, frothy, entertaining, and with Catherine Hahn in it. I'm sorry, I'm trying not to turn this into a Catherine Hahn worship podcast, but she is great in it. Her character is kind of the sort of thing that I was thinking, like, you know, if it was real life, there would be no way that I would end up with somebody like Catherine Hahn's character. It just wouldn't happen. But I was also thinking I would probably end up with most, somebody like Kiki. But then that also seems weird because I'd end up with Kristen Bell. And like people would be going around saying, how the fuck's he got Kristen Bell? <laughs> Only in an alternate universe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
gosh. So on IMDb, this movie gets a 5.6 out of 10, which is quite reasonable. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 32% tomato meter and a 43% audience score. I mean, I'd give it a bit more love than that, personally, because I know it's not highbrow arse, as you say, but who wants to see that? Especially at Christmas. You want to have a good time. Yeah. This is a good time movie, and I just don't see what can be picked apart about it as such, because it's just a lot of fun. The end, well, the post-credits ending, oh my god. <laughs> I was just like, what? They practically have like a music video with all the characters involved, all the adult characters, I should say. The kids aren't involved at all. Down the line, I would have probably said one of the weirdest post-credit Christmas song moments in a Christmas movie would go to Look Who's Talking Now, and we will get to it one day. But this was just another level of, okay, I've finished the movie. What is this? What am I watching? It was like some weird kind of like R&B slow-mo music video with a snowy backdrop and all like traditional Christmas imagery and the cast just going wild and it was, it was just odd. Yeah, I guess it's a way to roll the movie out and then to give each of the main characters their own credit board, but it's a strange way of ending the movie. Mind you, it's a strange movie in a lot of ways, so I guess they just wanted to put something out there that was as wacky as the rest of the movie, so go figure. I can say that if you think you're going to enjoy this movie, you probably will. If you look at the synopsis and think, yeah, that doesn't sound like it's for me, I'll probably go with that instinct and, and not watch it. I really like this sort of movie, and I like the fact that it isn't as brash as something like The Hangover. It might have them doing as outrageous stuff, but it just seems more appropriate, weirdly, when women are doing it. When guys do it, I just think, oh, what a bunch of arseholes these blokes are. But when you get Mila Kunis, Kristen Bell and Catherine Hahn doing it, perfectly acceptable. Is that some kind of reverse sexism on my part? I mean, I don't really want to see Bradley Cooper and his mates fucking about. It's like, no, I can just go to a pub on Saturday night and watch arseholes misbehaving themselves. Whereas with this, it's like, yeah, go on, nick the Christmas tree. I don't know. Is this how my psychology works? Am I just weird? Or is this just how it's supposed to work? I don't know. Don't at me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's women behaving badly. And I think it's important to have these depictions of women in film because, as I say, there's all these really straight-laced traditional stereotypes of what a woman should be like. And it's like, if a woman can't match up to that, it's like they, they have a breakdown of some sort. But, you know, I just kind of like it that being a mum is hard. And that I think if you're allowed to go and have a bit of fun sometimes now and again with your friends and there's that solidarity between the three of them, all very different characters, very different personalities, but somehow they all bring something to that friendship and it just works really well. The chemistry between them is all, all great. So there's an, I don't know what's not to love about this film. I'd see another Bad Moms film. I believe there is another one in the works, Bad Moms Moms. So I think obviously it's going to focus on the grandmothers again because at the end of the movie, they kind of form their own alliance and they go off on vacation together, I believe, Vegas. So I don't know if anything's going to come from that, but yeah, we'll I'd, see. I'd, I'd see a Bad Moms Moms movie. It's the sort of thing that I wouldn't object to going to see. 
and I think they've got the characters down pat. I mean, basically, it's just a continuation of the original Bad Moms, but in a sort of slightly more senior format. This is the sort of movie that it does pretty much what it says on the tin, and there's nothing wrong with that. And it's nice to see women behaving badly in movies, as you said. We need more women behaving badly in movies. We don't need them to be perfect or stuck at home while the guys go out and have all the fun. Now, now, fuck that. It's 2022. Absolutely. And again, yeah, sometimes I feel like I'm in the mood for this type of film and it just delivers. So I would happily sit through another sequel. I'm not going to lie, because I really enjoy these characters and I like to see their outrageous antics on screen. So that is my opinion. And uh, yeah, we're not ashamed that we love Bad Moms films. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, we are we are proud Bad Moms fans. And if there is a sequel, just please put some Catherine Hahn in it just for me. Please. <laughs> I do wish we could chat longer. And that's it for episode 86 of the HD Movie Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode and would like to check out more of our content, you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at HD Movie Podcast. Coming next in episode 87, it's time to raid Netflix's stock of Christmas movies. And it's a brand new one. And it's a brand new one starring the one and only Lindsay Lohan. It's Falling for Christmas. Or is it Christmas in Wonderland? We're very confused by what the title is meant to be because Netflix is saying Falling for Christmas. I suppose we should go with that. But IMDb is saying Christmas in Wonderland with Falling for Christmas as the original title. So I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed by all this. That said, I'm looking forward to seeing Lindsay Lohan back in this movie. That's probably the only thing I'm looking forward to after reading the synopsis. But... You know, we did a new release last year, which was Castle for Christmas. You all know how that went. So come on, bring it on. Bring on the Hallmark-style Christmas movies. I'm here for it. I might need a Baileys, though, to get through it. That's fair enough. You can have the Baileys. So, until we watch Falling for Christmas in Wonderland, Christmas Falling, whatever it's called, stay safe, everybody. We'll see you soon. The HD Movie Podcast is presented by Hayley Alice Roberts and Darren Gaskell. Its music is written and performed by Mitch Bay. You can find the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podchaser, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes and Podbean.